You are listening to Women Who Launch and Lead, the podcast for women ready to change the world by women who are changing the world. Listen in each week on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Breaker, or Stitcher as we connect with women making it happen in life, business, and career. Relate to their struggles, learn their strategies, and celebrate their successes. Then show your love by subscribing and leaving a review. Now, here's your host, Dr. Sharita Weatherspoon. Hello, hello, this is Dr. Sharita Weatherspoon, and we are here for another episode of Women Who Launch and Lead. And today we have with us Rochelle Peterson Ansari, who is the CEO of Perceptions Unlimited, where she helps organizations develop the talent in their workforce to meet diversity and inclusion goals through training and coaching. And we are so excited to have her here with us today. Thank you, Rochelle, for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Sharita. Glad to be here. Awesome. So we'd love to start out asking our guests to share with us about who they are and how you're impacting the world. Yes. So thank you for that. You know, when people ask me, who am I? I like to say that I actually was called, right? Like the reason why I showed up on this earth was to help vulnerable people. And my purpose is to help others achieve their potential for greatness, right? Like no matter what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, as you mentioned, I'm the CEO and founder of Perceptions Unlimited. I help higher educational institutions create sustainable solutions to meet their diversity, equity, and inclusion goals. And I do that through training, training consultation, and coaching. That's my primary area. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of uh, nonprofits and other private businesses are actually finding me, but my niche, that group I work with specifically, higher education. So I say how I'm impacting the world. I like to tell people just a little bit about me, right? That I live between bright lights and broken glass. So mm -hmm. I. I characterize my life journey that way, right? That it was between bright lights and broken glass. So some of the bright lights were, you know, I was born in a poor, poor working class neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It's the bright light because it keeps me grounded. Mm, yes. And yeah, that's right. And then that is also a place for broken glass, but it's for broken glass because I realized when I was really young that everyone in my neighborhood um, wasn't getting the privileges that I got. Mm. Some of the privileges the educational privileges that I got. And then when you look at the bright lights, it was those educational privileges. Started school, I was in school before age five because back in the day, they let you start early if you had a late birthday, right? So I started school before I was five. Um, I skipped the eighth grade. I was admitted to a private school on a full scholarship. And I was exposed to Bucknell University that nobody that I knew in Brooklyn heard of right. <laughs> before that, right? But then there was still broken glass there, right? So even though I excelled in those educational spaces, I never saw enough of my people, kids from my neighborhood, getting those same privileges, or people who look like me getting those privileges in colleges and universities. So that's my story. I help make those spaces better for people who 
have come after me and people who are still coming after me. Mm, mm. That's really powerful. And I love how you characterize the bright lights and broken glass. Um, Cause what it does is communicate that even with the, what, what do we want to say? Um, not necessarily a bad start, but a slower start. Let's say a slower start than other people, you're still able to excel and be propelled, right? And at the same time, um, even with certain privileges, there's still some things that may be lacking and holding you back that you have to overcome. So, you know, it life is this kind of balancing act between the good and the bad. <laughs> It is life, right, in general. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So what specifically was it that led you into the work that you do now? Mm, what specifically led me there? Interesting. Um, I always had a sense of fairness. I don't know where that came from, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I knew for myself, like I always, I knew enough when I was younger that I wanted as a Growing up as a girl, I wanted what boys had because somehow they had something that wasn't being given to me. Mm-hmm. As a black person, I wanted what white people had, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a person living in, like I said, poor working class neighborhoods, I wanted what the rich people had, right? I was like, there seemed to be no reason why any particular person should have so much and any other person had less of it. Whether we were talking about material things or those, those intangibles, like being perceived as being competent, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's a, that's, that one sticks in my craw a lot. So um, it propelled, I think that sense of fairness propelled me into this kind of work. And actually as an undergraduate student, I came in, bio pre-med and changed that by the ninth week. (laughs) Yes, uh, that's another story. (laughs) But I I came in doing that, uh, focused on biology, realized that wasn't where I was going to do the work, tried tried psychology and then found sociology. Mm -hmm. And all of the things that we were talking about just made so much sense to me. And in a way, it helped me like understand some things that I was puzzled about, right? Like about this, this sense, this fairness or unfairness that I was seeing as a child that no one was explaining to me. Mm-hmm. But really that's where the seed uh, was planted, right? Was in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it came to wanting to uh, facilitate, wanting to coach others, I had a specific experience when I was working at a college in um, the upper Northeast region of the United States. I, myself and other employees who were in residence life at the time received this fake application for blacks and Mexicans who were, um, you know, like it, it was a, application for people asking us things like, were you born in a wheelbarrow, things like that, right? I mean, it was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The thing about it was that the application was put in our mailboxes. Mm-hmm. And it was clear 
by you know empty mailboxes right before the 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 office closed to it being there five minutes later that someone from the inside put it in there right right i felt violated and angry but what came out of me was what can we do to educate and i literally wound up leading my boss the dean of students counseling director uh, the vice president of student affairs, as well as other residents' life staff on this journey of educating our campus. Right, right. So what came out of me naturally was to educate out of my anger. <laughs> so that was the beginning. Mm -hmm. So now here you are, we won't say how many years later. <laughs> <laughs> and you are um, training and coaching and consulting in your own business, um, helping higher education institutions um, and some others who, who find you and who know that they need your help in addressing these diversity and inclusion issues. So from an entrepreneurial perspective, what has been some of the challenges you've faced in, um, in this business and growing this business and in you know, kind of even getting organizations to recognize that they need the help? So it's interesting that the entrepreneurial journey is more of the issue, right? So I learned early on in my entrepreneurial journey that you have to have multiple streams of income. And so I actually focused on building, well, in fact, I, I, I initially was not building a business. I think I was operating like an independent contractor. Mm -hmm. And I had multiple streams of income, which meant that my attention was in different directions, <laughs> right? And so that, that was a challenge as it were because i wasn't out there kind of focused in really putting myself out there mm -hmm. right i've been out i have been working in this business really since 1996 and you can't tell that right by my marketing imprint if you will because i needed to learn that lesson but when it comes to the people i actually get a pretty high return when i talk to to organizations um and i think it's because i learned some things along the way and it was most recently like in the last five years mm -hmm. i learned to um use my gifts and talents so i'm a relationship person right i'm a mentor and so i help people see how i do my work relationally so you know a lot of organizations like to ask you for a proposal well your first communication with me needs to be in person or face to face it doesn't have to be in person right um, i like to get on a call uh whether it's a zoom call or you know even a, a phone conversation so you can feel my essence right because that's part of the challenge for people there are people who are not doing this work that need help because of their fears. Mm -hmm. they, and they're, even though they're asking you to come in and do a training, you know, that's gonna be a space where everybody's looking at each other and hearing each other's stuff. They create this story of what's gonna happen there. 
And I need to let them know that they're going to be in good hands. Mm -hmm. And the the best way that I know to help you do that and to really set myself apart from other people just sending you proposals is let you feel who I am. Mm-hmm. And not just me, because I use other facilitators, but I also want to make sure you know that you're going to get more of the same by people who I would put in front of you when I'm not there, right. because they are representing my brand. You said there were some things that you had to learn um, specifically around, you know, kind of marketing and focusing in. So how did you get to the point of... Um, I guess getting those lessons and I understand that they still may be in process, right? <laughs> but, you know, how did you come to discover that you needed to do some things differently and kind of switch gears a little bit to get on a path that would actually help you start building a business? Yes. So two things, um, two key things, and there are probably a, a number of subset things under that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was coaching. <laughs> <laughs> And so I received coaching uh, actually through you. And this is not a plug for you in particular, but I have to tell the world, right, that I receive assistance from outside of myself. That's one, right, in general. However, uh, Dr. Sharita, you have actually been, it's interesting, in some ways that we've worked together live and in ways that we haven't you have helped support me. So for example, you wrote a book, right? Um, Around uh, goal setting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I actually was doing goal setting trainings with other people, which I shouldn't have been doing. (laughs) But I was doing goal setting trainings with other people, yet I I still needed the mentor for myself. Mm -hmm. And there's a way that You take people through strategies, you ask questions that get me to think, right? Like to get me to think and have clarity. Mm -hmm. And so actually going through the exercises in your book, reading your book, that was one thing. Um, I was exposed to other things, don't get me wrong. I actually was exposed to other cultures that were out there. I've gone to other trainings and, but not some of those things I picked up on like pricing I got some good advice you know from someone else about that um, and how to structure it and let go of my money issues because I had them Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people in education have them. Mm -hmm. not just us but a lot of us do yes and I had to let go of that right I had to make sure my pricing was about the costs Mm -hmm. right and making a profit Right. I had to also let go, you know, I do believe that I am a servant leader and I struggled around that, right? Like, you know, do you take more money for this kind of work, right? Like, mm-hmm. do, you, do you get a profit for this? Well, we have to keep the light. <laughs> yes. Right? But if you want to live a life that's not just keeping your lights on, not just, you know, making ends meet to eat your food, but say you want to go on a vacation with your family, there has to be some disposable income as well. Mm -hmm. And so I had to really let go of that. And in the process, I would say after being introduced to that from, you know, my own professional development or business development, going to workshops and so forth, I also um, continued to work with you. 
right, over the years. And the strategy that seemed to, to work best for me when I was away from you is the reflection, which is something that I teach other people to do, right, in, term, in relation to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So my personal reflection on, you know, even just writing down, like, okay, I noticed that I have an issue with this. What's going on? And I just start writing. And whatever comes, comes, right? And generally, even if it's not in that sitting, generally, I get clarity. If, I'm, if I need to, I'll jump on a call with my coach again to say, hey, okay, this came up for me. What do you see? Mm-hmm. And, and it's important for me to really be honest, right? right? Like, I have to be honest, so I have to have somebody else that I can trust. Again, it goes back to the work that I do with other people, right? So mine is not business coaching. Mine is related to still relationship with others, whether they are an instructor, professor who is trying to work better in their classrooms or administrators uh, doing more meaningful program development. No matter what it is, you have to do the work for yourself to see why don't you connect. Mm-hmm. And you have to be trustworthy. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's really good. So key things that I took from that was you know, coaching, getting help outside of yourself. And that yeah. recognition that you probably can't figure it all out on your own because if you could, you would have already done it. (laughs) And then um, identifying issues and reflecting on, you know, kind of the root of it. Where is it coming from and why am I dealing with it? That's really powerful because I think self-reflection is a skill that a lot of people lack. Mm. Um, And I think I learned that very early in my professional career. Um, but it's something that really is necessary for, for growth, for personal growth. Um, cause if you can't work if you can't see yourself, um, you can't grow yourself and change yourself. That's right. And it's one of the hardest things for us to do. Cause a lot of, a lot of things are running on a subconscious or unconscious level. Right. So you need help. Um, even in my personal life, right. My partner mm-hmm. has been a mirror in different areas of my life. Mm-hmm. and maybe areas that other people saw, but they weren't willing to say anything, right? right? So right. to me, that's not loving me enough mm-hmm. to not to tell me. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good stuff, good stuff. So um, how do you think your, your story, because um, you are so relationship-oriented and the work that you do is about relationships, how does your story relate to your diversity and inclusion work? Right. So on one level, I'm teaching people to let go, right? Let go of looking good Mm -hmm. and release some of their fears of being seen Mm -hmm. for who they are, you know, because that's also a signal that you're not okay with who you are. Right. (laughs) Right. right. So my own personal journey um, of letting go, and it's an ongoing journey. I'm, I'm not claiming that I'm vulnerable in every way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but particularly when it comes to these issues, I try to be. Mm -hmm. Because I believe that I can't, if I can't communicate effectively, then what am I doing, right? I have to be able to understand other people, even the more resistant person. I'm not trying to preach to the choir, if you will, right? Right. Or the, the usual suspects. Some of those people get it. I mean, many of those people get where I'm trying to take others. Mm-hmm. So I have to be able to reach that person that's resistant. And so I, I actually have to study why people are being resistant. And I've found a number of things have a lot to do with how we grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, trauma, past trauma. Oh my goodness, that's a big one, right? Mm-hmm. And I relate to people in that way. I also have blind spots, right? This, this is a human endeavor, this work. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> human endeavor, that's the bottom line, right? So when I, I had blind spots around my um, privilege, if, if you will, right? And when I began to understand, like, this, this was way back, right? So much earlier in my career um, in higher education, or just as a professional in general after college, I started to, I, I had an experience where I was doing the work, right? I was a um, head of diversity, uh, not diversity, head of multicultural affairs at an institution in the greater um, Philadelphia area. And I was doing the work, uh, you know, planning trainings, doing workshops, et cetera. And I um, realized in my one-on-one relationships with colleagues who identified as, um, as gay uh, or lesbian that they didn't have the same rights to healthcare at the time, the same rights to sit by the bedside of somebody in their life, their partner, when they were dying because they could not get married, mm-hmm. which, which gave you access to be considered family. And I thought, well, that's unfair, remember? Like going back to my sense of fairness, why should I have that privilege and they not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And who gets to say, when I got that, when I understood I had some privileges that they didn't have, that's when I realized how, why or how some white folks didn't get racism, mm-hmm. which was important to me and something I was working on at the time. Right. Right. So um, it relates to me, right? It relates to how I developed and, and identified my blind spots. Mm-hmm. It also relates to uh, my life or my practices relate to my work because I literally teach people what I do. And so I I ask people to rise to the occasion, right? Mm -hmm. So when I ask them to rise, that means it's an acronym for reflect, right? Reflect on yourself. Um, So we look at how we were socialized Mm -hmm. to think about ourselves and other people. That is a huge awakening for a lot of people. Like you said, self-reflection is not common right. we're not we're, we don't practice that um a lot in this country mm-hmm. uh investigate right get some more information right. about those things you don't you didn't know mm-hmm. right 
because a lot of our stereotypes, our biases, they live in the, the gaps of information that we have. So we investigate, we get more information, and then you synthesize it with who you are, right? You synthesize it with the work that you do and examine how you can take that out into the world. And then we go to E, execute, right? right? So I am helping people move to action. And it begins with reflection, and that's what I do. Mm. Awesome, awesome. So I want you to share one lesson that you've learned later in your journey that could have changed the trajectory of your life and business had you learned it earlier. I learned that there are people out there waiting for transformation through me. And yes, I have to give you credit for that uh, because that stirred my soul in ways that I don't think anything else had before. It helped me understand that, you know, as a purpose-driven person, right, I am designed for some people. And there are many, 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 many people out there And actually, all of my needs will be met if I serve the people I was here to transform. Mm -hmm. And if I don't get it together, right, and get that clarity and get out there in an effective way, those people can't find me. Mm -hmm. Boy, Mm -hmm. I would be in a different place than I am now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, but I don't regret it. I don't regret that the place that I'm in now with that understanding came after some toil, right? And having to figure it out because it helped me get at some other root issues that I think, you know, were created, were connected to, to, to trauma, right? So there were some self-worth issues there that I was not aware of. Most people who know me would say, what? Or who think they know me (laughs) would say, what? You have self-worth issues, Rochelle? Certainly, I believe that I will be, um, I have to remain conscious of them Mm -hmm. all of my life. Because the trauma that is the likely cause of it happened very early in my life. So it left an imprint at, you know, at a very deep level that I have to always consciously work to intervene or to prevent, right? Mm-hmm. The, the results of that, those issues around self-worth from running my, my self-talk, mm-hmm. if you will. That's good. That's good. I wish we had more time to dive deeper. <laughs> that might take us a little bit off course of the purpose of this podcast, but um, that's some good stuff. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned in what you've shared today. And I'm hoping that those who are tuning in, pick up those lessons, put it on repeat, listen again, because they're there. <laughs> now, before we close out our conversation, um, I know that you have a gift for our listeners. Can you tell us what it is and how they can find it? Sure, yes. So for our listeners, I would like to offer a free 30-minute consultation that they can receive once they just go to um, the Perceptions Unlimited website to complete the contact form. 
However, when they go to the site, I want you to put in WWLL and put that in the comments so we know that you're eligible for the 30-minute consultation. So that website is www.perceptionsunltd.com. Yeah. Awesome. Now, how can uh, people connect with you online and follow you and watch your videos? Thank you so much. So, of course, again, at the website, you can reach us at that same website, um, perceptionsunltd.com. Um, I'm actually very active on Perceptions Unlimited page on Facebook. So the Perceptions Unlimited page and um, a group that I manage... Uh, called the Niche Collective. So that's N-I-C-H-E. It stands for the National Institute for Change in Higher Education Collective. That's where we're having ongoing conversations um, among people who are doing diversity, equity, inclusion work in higher education, no matter what their title is. You care about those issues, but you also want a support team we're there together having those conversations and sharing resources. Mm -hmm. You also can find me on uh, LinkedIn at Rochelle Peterson Ansari or Perceptions and um, on Twitter at RRP Ansari. So that's RRP for Peterson Ansari. No spaces. <laughs> All right, awesome. We'll make sure that all of those links and handles are included in the show notes so people can find you and become a part of the conversation and a part of the solution. Yes. So I want to thank you, Rochelle, for joining us on Women Who Launch and Lead. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you for joining us for Women Who Launch and Lead with Dr. Sharita Weatherspoon. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode and leave your positive review so we can continue to bring you impactful and powerful content. Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Coach Sharita. Learn more about how you can work with Dr. Sharita at sharitaweatherspoon.com. As always, learn, launch, lead.